Good morning. Chapter 16 of Romans. Parting is such sweet sorrow. I, I, I love I first night of Bible study, first morning of Bible study, and I, some, I have a love-hate for the last session. I, I just do. I just do. I'm a Bible study girl. It's in my blood. I love Bible study. I like to sit in the back of the, uh, the, the room as you guys were worshiping. And it was just so sweet, so sweet to see you just sink into the presence of the Lord. We need that, don't we? Don't we need that? Open your Bibles, if you would, to chapter 16. Um, it's a chapter that um, I know a lot of people do some scripture memorization. I'm, I'm pretty sure that no one memorized this, this chapter because that would be complicated. It's all those names, those names. Um, so as, as I started uh, reading it a couple weeks ago, a song came across my mind over and over again. It's an old one if you're young in here. If you, that means if you're under 50. Um, if you're young, probably don't know the song at all, but it's a Barbara Streisand song. And I kept singing the words, people, people who love people. And, and, and then I looked up the, the, um, the song, and it doesn't say people who love people. It says people, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world. Well, Paul, he was a lucky duck. He was a lucky duck. He needed people. So contrary to what he was, he was like, maybe even growing up, maybe it was just kind of graded on you when, when he was growing up just as a kid, you know. And boy, when he was growing up, he was hard-headed, hard-hearted. He loved religion. But I don't think he had much use for people. But when he got saved, he was a different animal. He was, he was trans Formed people who need people. There's a little movie clip on Instagram, and it's from uh, Pure Flix. If you don't belong to Pure Flix, it has a lot of clean, clean movies. And there's a movie coming out that's called Risen. Maybe it's already out. But the preview shows a Roman soldier, and he's speaking, and he says, "I have served the Roman Roman Empire." And I have fought wars against people who do not believe in our gods. And this soldier was told that Jesus is dead. His disciples are in hiding. And so he said in investigation, so where is he? If he's dead, where is the body? If he's dead. Well, I know the answer to that. Well, he's not dead. And the body? The body sits in this room. The body sits in this room because the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. And individually, we're members of one another. So let's pray. Let's pray this back. This chapter is so much more important than it, than it looks like at the first scanning of it. Lord, we just pray. May it be. May it be. We know that you're not dead. And God, sometimes I think that the body is scattered and we're crippled and we're dysfunctional. But you love us. Uh, you take us as we come. And God, I pray that you would weave us together. In such a time as this, 
in such a time as this, what the enemy meant for evil, God, you meant it for good. And so, God, I pray that you would instruct us, that we would see what you have on your heart when you put this chapter at the tag end of Romans. And we pray it with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 16. It's the closing chapter of this great journey. The closing chapter. Interesting. Interesting it is. Uh, The book of Romans is considered one of the greatest masterpieces, not just in the Bible, but in the entire world. One of the greatest masterpieces uh, in the entire world. I have in my, in my front of my Bible, I taped this little statement um, years ago. And um, it says that the, the U.S. Constitution is displayed in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. And only once, once a year, just one page of it is displayed but only once a year on September 17th, the anniversary of the date in which it was signed, uh, it's displayed. On other days, just one page is displayed. It's such a precious document that at night, the page or the whole thing is lowered into a vault so strong it with with. with withstand a nuclear explosion. (laughs) That's the Constitution of the United States. For us as a Christian, Romans is our Constitution. It's our Magna Carta. It's, it's It's a declaration of independence from our flesh and the world and the devil and our dependence on God. It's a great document We're going to back up uh, before we dive into 16 because there's a tag end of it, a 15, that we didn't cover last week. And I believe that it's it's important for us to look at uh, as we look at, at this here, the 16th chapter of Romans. Paul's writing from Corinth, if you remember the history and the background, he had never been to Rome. So it makes you wonder, how does he know all these people? And, and details of this story, we'll get to that. At the end of Romans 15, he tells them that he's getting ready. He's fixing, as they say in Texas, he's fixing to go to Jerusalem. The economy there in Jerusalem was hard times, hard economic times. And some of the people, even Christians, were at the brink of starving to death. Jerusalem, for the Gentile Christians, was the mothership. It was the mothership that was the birthplace of Christianity. And, and Paul taught them, imparted into them, that they should be grateful to the Jewish Christians that endured so much hard times. Because it's from there that their faith sprung. In Romans 15, it says that, that um, the Gentiles' churches were pleased in recognition of the great thankfulness that they had, they were pleased because they had been partakers of the spiritual blessings. They now wanted to turn around and give back. They wanted to be givers, backers. And, and I, I say good for them. So they sent money 
They sent money to these Jerusalem Christians. Good for them. It's more blessed to give than to receive. So here, as we we step into the 16th chapter, he's finishing up the letter, and he's going to pack it up, he's going to pack up his things, send the letter to Rome, and he's going to head on to Jerusalem. He's going to carry the money himself. It was an 817-mile journey. He was committed to do that. So he closes chapter 15 by asking two things. He asked the Christians in Rome to pray for him two things. That when he goes to Jerusalem, that um, he would survive. He would survive the opposition of the Jews that were now opposing Christianity. And that he would arrive to see them after that. Um, And he asked them to pray. It's a good thing. And that ties us together. That prayer that he would, um, he would arrive safely. It caused me to think about this, uh, about Paul's journeys uh, around in Jerusalem, 817 miles he was now going to go. Um, so it made me think, like, without planes and trains and cars, how many miles did Paul travel around this world sharing the gospel? Well, they've actually done um, a calculation of that. Um, which is nice, <laughs> so he never could. 8,700 miles Paul traveled by, by land. Most of that would have been on foot, maybe through some rough territory with bandits. 16,800 miles by sea. Somebody ought to say, wow, thank you, <laughs> thank you. You know, um, as I read that, I felt like I needed to read that, and I, it humbled me. It humbled me. And so I turned to uh, part of his journey, and he's, he's on that journey in Acts 20. And it refers to that, and he says, See, I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me, except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation awaits me. So as he pondered that, I can see he put, put down his pen... And he said, but none of these things move me. None. Nor do I count my life dear to myself that I may finish my course with joy. And you know what? That challenged me. That challenged me. And I hope it challenged each one of you. We need to go to the distance. Sometimes there's opposition. He knew it. You know, he was unmoved by opposition. Sometimes I'm moved by inconvenience, not him. I hope that challenges all of your hearts. When he, when he said those words in Acts 20, he was with a group of elders from, from the Ephesus church. And after that, they walked him to his departure point. And it says they fell on his neck and they cried. The elders would have been men. I'm telling you, Paul was an entirely different person. These men cried over him, not just where he was going or what he was going to do, because he had said that maybe he would never see their face again. How, how bonded he was to people. 
And then this beautiful leather now will jump in. I'm sorry for that long introduction. But you know, the Bible's context. That's why we should know the whole counsel of God. We need to know the long story, the background story. And as I read all of these names, I'll tell you, I want to know the background story of each of these people in Acts 16. And we don't. We know pieces. I commend to you Phoebe, our sister. What do we know about her? She's a servant, it says, from the church of Centria, which was close to Corinth, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. She must have been the one who carried this letter to Rome and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she's been my helper of many and myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life. You know, we really don't know when that, when did that happen? We don't know, but we know they did it. They risked their necks and they were his fellow workers in Christ. Likewise, greet the church that's in their house. Greet my beloved um, Epi- Epinetus, who's the first fruits of Acacia to Christ. So, he, so Paul must have led this guy to the Lord. That's exciting. Greet Mary, who labored much for us. Greet Andronicus and Hunia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners. Some versions say his relatives. Maybe they were his cousins. My fellow prisoners. Like, when did that happen? When were they in jail with Paul? Who are of note, they were noteworthy. The apostles knew these two. And who were in Christ before me. You know, we, we don't know the backstory. I just wonder in heaven, don't you ever think about heaven? You know, uh, what's it going to be like? What are we going to do? I think I want to knock on their mansion door and say, hey, tell me the long version of that. When were you in prison with, with Paul? I mean, how did that happen? Was it scary? I mean, did, did you do a jailbreak? I mean, did the doors open like some of the times happened? Don't you want to know the, the back story? I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to knock on Noah's door. Like, um, tell me the long version of that. You know, how did you get those last boards up to the top of the ark? And what did it feel like? When the animals came to you. Wow. That would be awesome. Except when the snakes came. (laughs) And they did. Because everybody was on that ship. Greet Empolias, my beloved in the Lord. And, And note, beloved in the Lord. You know, Paul, he's... He's just so sweet. Did you know that in his letters, he writes the word beloved 33 times? That's not really a word that most guys even use. Especially a man who had started his life like Paul. Again, not a lover of people at all. Such a sweet letter. I'll tell you, I got lost in it. It's like the ground opened up and I fell in and I forgot to, I forgot to write the message for like weeks. I was still knocking on everyone's door. Who are you? 
Why were you so important that you got to be the tag on, on Romans? Your names in this hall of fame. You know what? Um, it's kind to some people, as mentioned in the lesson, it's kind of like, you know, at the end of a movie, you know, the last scene, and it was great, da-da, the end, and then the screen's just filled in with this small pride writing of all these names, you know, and who reads them? Unless your uncle was one of the, the lighting techs. <laughs> I do know a lighting tech, so once I did try to find his name, but uh, who, who reads that stuff? You just get up and leave because the movie's over. You know, it's like the Academy Awards. You know, who cares who did the costumes or the lighting? You know, it's just the big stars that did the big stuff. You know, in heaven, it is not going to be like that. In fact, Jesus describes what it's actually going to be like in Matthew 25. It says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory... And all the holy angels with him. No, all of the holy angels. That would be like billions of holy angels. Jesus will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. All the nations. And he'll separate the sheep from the goats. And this will be the awards He'll say, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, not just a mansion, you get a kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was, I'm sorry. I was a prison and prisoner and you came to me. And and the righteous will say, So when did we do that? And Jesus will say, When you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. That's what the award ceremony will look like. Sometimes we think that the big shiny people who get to sit on stages or their names are somewhere big somewhere on the internet, um, that they'll get the big awards. No, this is the award ceremony that will make the Academy Awards look like small stuff. I think it looks like small stuff now, but... but Anyway, everything will be all straightened out. Right will be right, and wrong will be wrong. Who wants to say hallelujah to that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So for Paul, this letter was a condensation of all the Lord had taught him and revealed to him. And he now entrusts it to the care of... What's her name? Oh, Phoebe. Phoebe. He trusts it to a girl. The carrying of this magnificent letter. He hands it to Phoebe to deliver. And why on earth would he do it? Why would he trust 
Phoebe. It says plainly, she's a servant. She's a servant. She's helped others. And this is what I need you to do, Phoebe. I don't know, maybe she carried a a weapon under her cloak or she was a tough one. Um, Or she was just faithful. He knew he could trust her. And um, again, we don't have the long version, but this we do know, it got there. Whatever it took, she, she was trustworthy. And that letter got there. Praise the Lord for the Phoebes of this world. I love that he trusted her. Priscilla and Aquila, who are they? Well, we we do know that they were Jewish. And they had once lived in Rome. They had once lived in Rome. And uh, the Caesar had had cast them out. He would forced every Jew to leave Rome. And they landed in, in Corinth, and they were tent makers. And Paul connected with them, stayed in their house, and they made tents together. And there's a, a part of their story that I hate, because I know so many women that have actually suffered great loss. Divorced women, they lose everything sometimes. There's women that have gone through much financial stress and lost many of the things that they treasured and they loved. She would have had to leave her all of her china. You didn't, you didn't move st- big amounts of stuff. They didn't have moving fans. Maybe they had to leave with the, the clothes on their back. But they landed in Corinth and they met this kind of crazy outspoken Jew named Paul. Maybe they didn't know the Lord at all and they worked together. And salvation came to their house. What the enemy meant for evil, God uses for good. You know, as a matter of fact, as part of my story, we lived in in Eugene, Oregon for many years, and I adored it. I called Oregon God's country. I called California something else. (laughs) Just saying, just saying. The Lord dramatically closed the doors in some ways in Oregon and opened a door in California. And I cried for three months. And I sat on my doorstep when they were loading the furniture, crying my eyes out. (laughs) Honest. But you know what? I, I wouldn't know any of you. If we lived in Oregon. God had a door open. And I believe that this is a message. And this wasn't in my notes. This is a message for somebody here. This morning. You have some disappointments in your life. You have some heartache maybe in your life. You have some frustration in life. You just wait for God to open that door. He is a God of opening doors. I love that. I love that. Paul's journey now. From Jerusalem was 2,344 miles. He did make to Jerusalem. As we know, he did face persecution. They, they, the Jews ganged up on him. They tried to beat him. He was arrested. 
He was put in prison. And then he was put on a ship under guard, which shipwrecked. They landed on an island, finally put on a, 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 a final ship, destination for Rome. He la- did land um, there, and they walked the final distance. So it wasn't exactly the way he, he was hoping those prayers would be answered, but he did arrive safe in Rome. He did. So, um, again, what the enemy meant for, for evil, God used it for good. It would have cost him a lot of money for that trip. It was all paid for by the Roman government. His room and board the entire time. And then they put him in a prison cell. Again, room and board paid. And he wrote some of the greatest letters... Second to to Romans, Philippians. Could you live without the book of Philippians? I couldn't. How about first and second Thessalonians? How about first and second Timothy? I don't think he wrote those from prison. But but Thessalonians Ephesians and Colossians. Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians. Getting my story straight there. Anyway, paid for by the state. God's good. God's good. The devil hated it, but God's good. So again, these magnificent names all in list. Who cares? Who cares? I believe that God wants us to care. And, and, and taking a look at this, um, this story, again, he had never been to Rome. How did he know so many people? How were their lives so woven together? They lived in Rome. They would receive this letter. He was saying greetings. How did he know them? Because their stories were all woven. As we talked about before, Rome served the gospel. They built these magnificent roads. And people moved around. And he had had interconnections with these people. In deep places. I look at the background of my life and I'm so thankful So for so many experiences with people. Uh, I told the story on Monday and, and maybe I've told it to you before. I took used to take teams to Russia and, and um, uh, often they'd be like 30, 40, 50 women would go with me to Russia. Sometimes when it was 23 below zero. Somebody wants to say wow. And... Um, uh, with this one time, um, we were we were um, we were needing to go somewhere, and a big Greyhound bus came to pick us up, and um, so we got all loaded, our, our baggage all loaded, and um, the bus got stuck in the snow, and he was going back and uh, couldn't get out, and he, he just turned to me, he said, "I can't get out. We'll have to call another bus. It'll only take about three or four hours." And I said, we've got some place we've got to be. And uh, I looked at my team, and I looked at the bus driver through a translator. I said, we're going to get out of the bus, and we're going to push it out of the snow. He said, no, you're not. And I said, watch us. And we piled out of that bus. And, of course, he was looking at me, four foot (laughs) eleven. the unbeliever that he was, 
We pushed that puppy right out of the snow, and we laughed until we were sick <laughs> for three solid days. I mean, we just we were just rolling. Memories, memories. It's memories that we build when we serve to serve together. What's this letter about? It's about memories, bonding, and service. These were not outside people. I believe that so many people treat the church like a restaurant. They come and sit in their seat, their seat. And then when, when the service is over, they eat, they eat the meal. When the service is over, they, 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 they just get up and leave. Like at a restaurant, you leave the dishes on the table. Somebody else sweeps at night. That's not the body of Christ. We need to be insiders insiders. As we go through these names, I'm not going to read all of them, but there is, there's two names that I want to land on and it's Unius. Let me get to the name. Unius, Andronius and Junia. And, um, let me look at my time. I had this problem on Monday because I'm telling you, I love this. Okay. I have seven plus five. I have a few more minutes. Let's look at two people. Verse seven. Andronic, Dronius, and Junia. Never noticed their names. We don't know their long story, but there's, these are four things that we know about them. One, they were Jews. They were relatives of Paul, many translations say, so maybe they were cousins. Number two, at one time they had been fellow prisoners. Number three, we know that they were well known by the apostles. Number four, we know that they were in Christ before Paul. Does that make you have holy curiosity? Did you know that you could knock on the door of the word of God, and you can say to God, what meaneth that? What meaneth that? I sung so deep in their story, I thought about them for a solid week. They came to the Lord before Christ. Well, when was that? Had they been at the Sermon on the Mount? Had they been one of those, those Jews that were believers and followed him around? Were they at the, at the crucifixion of Christ, the most brutal, horrible, uh, politically driven event um, ever th- that happened on the face of the earth? Had they watched that from afar? Had they wept with, the, with the, the, his mom? Had they been in the 120 after Jesus rose from the dead that were praying in the upper room and crying out to God, what's next, what's next? Were they... All part of that? I think maybe. They, they were in Christ before Paul. And if they were cousins, were they aware of their cousin's rampage and hatred against Christ and against Christians? Were they? Was Paul their least likely candidate to come to Christ? And maybe you have somebody in your family You just hate it when they come to gatherings because they hate everything you love. Yeah. So in that upper room, what did they pray about? Did they pray against their enemies? Or did they remember the words of Jesus that we're to bless those that curse you, love those that hate you, 
Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Were they prayers for those people that hated Christians? You know, the cancel, cancel culture has been around for a long time. And I just want to say to all of us, we are not in that club. We are not in that club. We obey our Jesus because he's the Lord of us. And we do pray for those that hate us and disagree with us. We know they're wrong, but we don't hate them. Were they the first when Paul came to, the, to know the Lord, previously named, named Saul? Were they the first to welcome him, embrace him, mentor, be part of mentoring him? Were they among the first? Oh, don't give up on your lost causes. I have to read you a story as I was thinking about that. Um, there's a person that you must know, and some of you don't even know the name if you're under 40, Chuck Colson, who knows his story. Chuck Colson is a name that we should know. He's in the Hall of Fame of Lost Causes, Unlikely Candidates of Christianity. In 1969, he was appointed as a special counsel to President Nixon, but insiders knew him as Nixon's hitman. He was the evil genius, willing to be ruthless in getting things done politically. In Watergate scandal, he was indicted. And just before he was sent to jail, a group of Christians, political people in Washington, were praying for him, invited him to a Bible study, and he became a born-again Christian. Most people never believed it to his dying day because he was so outrageous. A miracle happened. Chuck Colson became a born-again Christian, and he developed prison fellowship. If you gave a gift at Christmas time to Angel Tree Ministries, it's him that birthed that. Unlikely candidates for Christianity, God is the king of no lost causes. Relationship is our DNA. It is our DNA. Paul changed so much. As we look at this chapter, so beautiful, so filled with with tenderness, we come to a statement that we need to land at and look at because it's so critical. In this beautiful list, he now comes to verse 17 and he says these words, I urge you, brother, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. And what's our doctrine? It's the law of mercy and grace and love. Contrary to that, he addresses in this beautiful letter division. I turn to Philippians chapter 4. It says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, stand fast in the Lord, my beloved. Again, we are accepted in the beloved. Division is the enemy's workshop. 
and we need to exclude it, push it out, refuse to accept it. Paul went on to address two women in this beautiful letter of Philippians. And again, he's writing from a prison cell. And he says, I implore Eudia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind. What's the same mind? The mind of Christ. Think his thoughts. Like in Romans 12, I beseech you by the mercies of God to present your bodies, heart, soul, and mind to God as a living sacrifice. And don't be conformed to this world. The world is petty and divisive and mean-spirited. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sintichi. And Yudia, I urge you, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. So we don't know what's going on. We don't know if Yudia was always late and Sintiji, she was always bossy. But we know there was conflict. And I'm just going to say if there's that you have against somebody in the body of Christ. It's the enemy's workshop. He loves to divide and bite and devour. It's his business, but it's not ours. I love that he tucked it there. It belongs there because God loves us and he wants us united He closes this beautiful letter, this beautiful letter to his Roman friends by saying these words. He says, your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I'm glad on your behalf and I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And here's some good words. Verse 20. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Who wants to say hallelujah? Glory to God. Let it be. Crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. And here it is, verse 27, to God, alone wise, alone wise. Sometimes we can get opinions and we can be wise in our own opinions. It's only God who's wise. If you need wisdom today, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive to God alone be wise, alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Let's bow our heads and close before we have our discussion because I feel like God wants to walk around and speak to our hearts this morning. Like that line in the song, people, people who need people are the luckiest people in the world.
God, we thank you that you didn't make us orphans or lone wolves. God, you, you put the lonely in families. And God, I pray that we would live like we are a family, the body of Christ. And God, that you would use what we have, we could bring it to the table so others who come hungry would find food, would find love, would find acceptance, acceptance in the beloved. And pray that we would be vessels of that, not just for ourselves, but God, we would be the Lord's arms embracing others, the word, the Lord's spoke peace, speaking words of kindness and truth. This very day, Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.